0: This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: Okay, welcome to it once again. This uh, Thursday edition, the December twenty-first edition of the Jeff Merrick Show. Thanks so much as always uh, for joining me. Elliot Friedman returns. He'll be joining us here in a couple of moments. Uh, everything from the past couple of days newsworthy uh, with Elliot. A lot of focus on the Winnipeg Jets, who last night uh, on Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey beat the Detroit Red Wings five to two. Front and center, Gabe Villardi, comma again. And uh, we'll talk a lot about the Winnipeg Jets with Elliott. Also, we'll get on the, uh, the Buffalo Sabres page. Buffalo faces off against the Maple Leafs at home tonight. I do wonder, considering how much angst and anguish Buffalo Sabres fans have gone through, how many of them just flat out said, screw it, I'm selling my tickets for Thursday night. And how many Maple Leafs fans will be at the Key Bank tonight because of it? Uh, it's not great in Buffalo, as we've talked about uh, over the past couple of shows here. And we'll get into that a little bit more with Elliot. Also, bottom of the hour, Alan Latang. So he's the head coach of the Sarnia Sting, Thing, uh, former assistant coach of the Owen Sound Attack, and the head coach for Team Canada at the World Juniors. He will stop by at the, uh, the bottom of hour one. And then to talk to us uh, about the surprising Nashville Predators, despite the loss the other night against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, They've played great. Uh, they really have. And there's a whole bunch of new faces um, and and new players to get to know and, and future superstars on that team as well. Willie Donick uh, will stop by. Play-by-play voice of the Nashville Predators will be aboard. And then uh, we'll probably finish it up here, I want to say, with Matty Marchese uh, and go through the sort of, you know, what we saw last night in the three games and what we have tonight, which is namely 12. Uh, but a couple of things from last night. know we've seen Winnipeg on the network now twice. Uh, They were featured Monday on Rogers Monday Night Hockey, and then they were featured last night on Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey. And one of the takeaways I think everybody should have by now about the Winnipeg Jets, A, they're a really good team, and B, Gabe Velarde is really hitting his stride. Uh, Almost seemed lost in in a lot of ways. Uh, Tough to find a permanent spot with the Los Angeles Kings. A huge part of the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade three points last night. He now has five goals in his last four games. Um, And as I said the other day on Twitter, watching that Montreal game dots down, Gabe Villardi is one of the top players in the NHL. Um, And he's playing with Nikolai Eaglers, who might be one of the fastest players in the NHL and Mark Shifley. There was that wonderful play last night on the Shifley goal. A lot of things happen all at the same time. And I know a lot of people will focus on the kick pass from Ehlers to Velarde and then over to Shifley, where Ehlers puts his foot on top of the puck and then slides it over to Velarde, who taps it over to Scheifele for the tap-in. But one of the great things on this play, and I've got to ask Adam Oates about it because it looks like it's ripped right out of the pages of the Adam Oates playbook. There's, right before the play, Mark Shifley is down on the left side by the dots, and the play is going into the right corner and both Ehlers and Velarde are drawing Detroit Red Wings players into the corner with him. And Shifley, in a great decoy move, instead of going to the front of the net while players are cascading to the right, he peels off and goes to the boards, almost like he's deliberately taking himself out of the play and then slides right back in in front of the net for a great pass from Gabe Velarde and taps it in. You know, and the reason I mentioned that that is probably an Adam Oates play is we all think of Adam Oates and Brett Hall and that great battery that we saw between the two. It was awesome. You know, Oates would set up Hall, Hall would have the puck on his stick for about half a second and it would be gone. And Brett Hall used to always have the great lines. Sometimes the best way to be in the play is to be out of the play. And that was Mark Shifley on that goal. Last night took himself out of the play Hid and then came back in when no one was suspecting it and tapped the puck in. Beautiful play. Winnipeg Jets are grooving. Also, we should talk about the Capitals. Um, they beat the uh, New York Islanders by a final score of 3-2. to two. Ovechkin gets an assist on the overtime winner. Congratulations, Dylan Strom. But he's now gone 14 games without a goal. That is a career record for Ovi. And it was a Joey DeCord show as Seattle took care of the Los Angeles Kings 2-1. to Elliot Friedman returns. joins me from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Hey, Fridge. How are you?
0: Party poopers in Seattle too, eh? They uh the court initially had a franchise record for saves, forty three. Yeah. But they uh they took one away, so you only tied the record. He didn't
1: Boo. It. Yep. Boo, boo. Well, the yep. cord was outstanding last night. First of all, yep. it was great to see Jordan Eberle score too. finally first goal in 13 games. Uh, mm-hmm. He needed that one bad. Uh, good to see Tandem score as well. But listen, of late, it has been the Joey Decord show. I mean, that team has outshot 20 to eight in the first period. And you're saying to yourself, you know, how many pucks is Joey Decord going to have to face? Uh, the final shots on goal 43-30, and it was just ridiculous. Uh, Decord was on fire last night. But before I get to L.A. with you, and I want to park some time to talk about the Sabres, uh, your thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets. And we've seen mm-hmm. them twice on the network. We saw them Monday against the Habs. We saw them last night against the Detroit Red Wings. Um, I've mentioned plenty about Gabe Velarde and how outstanding he is, Dots down in the offensive zone. But that Shifley goal between the Ealers' kick pass and Velarde sliding it over, and the thing that, to me, made the whole play, and this whole thing screams Adam Oates, is before the play starts, Shifley's on the left side, and he peels away. Like, he's taking himself out of the play. So all the Detroit Red Wings on the ice ignore him as he's skating to the boards, and then peels back and taps it in as Velarde slides it over. Just a real smart play and I couldn't help but thinking, you know what? That's like an Adam Oates to Brett Hall type play for each.
0: Yeah, I just heard you talking about it for the last uh, 5 minutes and I think you've like orgasmed twice. <laughs> so I, I can tell that you really you you really like the play. Yeah, I mean, look, like yeah. all credit to the Jets, they're going really well. Um, you know, I I think the yeah. interesting thing is um, you know, when Connor got hurt, I I think a lot of people were uh, really worried and they put Velarde on the line. And I think they've, I I think it was counting this morning. I think they've got 25 points in the last four games. So if you're going to have that kind of production, uh, you're going to be okay. And, you know, they don't, they've been stingier. They, they haven't given up as many goals. Like they're doing a lot of things really well. And, um, you know, I was looking at Shifley. So last year he set a career high in goals with 42, and this year he's on a, he's on pace for career highs and assists and points. Like he's and uh, Ehlers yeah. is on pace for career high in points. So like those guys are really going. And you know they obviously they made a big commitment to Shifley, and uh, he's delivering. And uh, especially with Connor out, I think people were worried, and they're doing okay.
1: With the Shafley goal, as we say, barely enough loose skin to blink, Elliot. Barely enough loose skin to blink. Um, off good. of the Winnipeg page, uh, a couple of notes here quickly. Uh, Washington over the Islanders, 3-2. to two. Uh, A couple of things here. I think the Islanders might have the most... They, they must have... The Islanders record to me is just weird, Elliot. The, uh, 15, yeah. 8, and 9. Is that mm-hmm. not the weirdest record in hockey right now? depending on which way you want to spin it, it can either look good or it can look awful. 15-8-9. Yes. It just stares at you and screams bizarre. Your thoughts on the Islanders quick before we turn to the Caps.
0: Well, there's always there's always situations out there, Jeff, where you take a look at a team's record and you say, oh, okay, they're, they're way over 500, and then you look at that third column and you're saying to yourself, yep. you know what? They, they really aren't. Nichols. You know, the thing I kind of look at it is like this. And I remember the Leafs, when the shootout first came in, the team that really discounted it was Toronto. And they would say, yep. you know, it isn't hockey. And, you know, there was a year they missed the playoffs because of how bad they were in overtime in the shootout. And there was a little bit of Pat Quinn, I remember arguing with him about it once. He's like, it's not hockey, but I'm like, it's relevant. You have to deal with it. I thought Quinn was, was a great coach, but that was one of his kind of like blind spots. And um, like, when so like like earlier this year, there was this big debate about how good were the Leafs because they were tied for last in regulation wins. Right. And yeah, um, five. with five. And, you know, I, I, I kind of look at it as a mixed bag. I, I, I say, it's, it's not relevant for the long-term about who's going to win the Stanley Cup, but you kind of have to get into the mm-hmm. playoffs first. So I look at it as the Islanders are getting their points. They're moving up the standings, just like Toronto is, and you just have to – but I don't let it really affect the way I look at the big picture. Like, to me, when I look at the Islanders, what do I look at? I look at a league where, like, a lot of goaltending is falling apart, quite honestly – and they have some of the best. I look at a defensive pair in Dobson-Romanoff that has been enormous for them, especially as their number one pair has kind of been out due to injury. So, like, yep. I, and, you know, the other thing, too, is, like, uh, like, I don't know if they saw Barzell and Horvat working as well as it, it does, but those two seem to be really good pieces for each other. And so I see a lot mm-hmm. of things that are going right as opposed to being negative like you and looking at all the things that are going bad.
1: <laughs> well, okay, let me put a positive spin on it. One, one thing with the Islanders right now, uh, and you mentioned Noah Dobson. So Noah Dobson last night, 28-19 yeah. is his ice time. And that is the 14th straight game. He's been over 25 minutes, uh, the longest since... And before you can say Adrian Acoin, let me say it first. Uh, he did 15 games in 2004. You know, we talk a lot. Now, yesterday I was going on with Mike Rupp about Brock Faber and uh, the minutes that he's logging, 30 minutes a night uh, for the rookie defenseman for the Minnesota Wild. And I know last week we talked a lot about Dobson, but this guy, to your point about, you know, Pelik and Pulak being out and Noah Dobson and uh, Romanoff uh, shouldering a lot of the load here. Again, this is just another step in Noah Dobson entering, you know, he's not in the top two. We know who those are, but entering that conversation for top five in the Norris race.
0: You you know what? I I was actually looking at this yesterday, and one of the things I think that's happening is maybe we're getting some new new faces in this conversation. Like, you know, like Mm -hmm. – we, we kind of did have a turnover uh, a couple of years ago, you know, Adam Fox won. you know, there's McCarr McCarr yeah. can probably win it every year, but I think we're starting to get even some more turnover and new faces. Now, uh, Jeff, like Dobson, I think is one of them. Um, you know, Brock Faber is going to be another one. Oh. Like I, I was looking at, at Faber's numbers and, um, I like no rookies played as much as him since Tobias Enstrom in Atlanta. Like that's oh wow, that's like, and you know the other thing too is you know Favor's twenty one. You know Enstrom, who was a really good player in his rookie season in the NHL, he was twenty three, and he played in the Swedish Elite League for four years, and so like that guy was a pro. You know Favor is. I think, 36 games into his career, all in, including playoffs. So, I, like, I do look at this group, and and your guy, Anaheim, and Tyukov, he's averaging 0. .55 points a game. I think there's 10 rookie defensemen in the salary cap era who've done better than that. So, like, even though we saw kind of the defensive turnover a couple of years ago when we, when McCarr and Fox and now Quinn Hughes, obviously – have become among the best defensemen yep. in the league. I think we've got another group even coming with them that's going to make the Norris Trophy debates a lot of fun for a long time.
1: Yeah, Quinn and So five minutes ago, this is uh, this is the Dobson Faber era now. Elliot, <laughs> you got to get hit, man. You got to get it with the hill. Cool names. Um, okay, so tonight, last night we only had the three games. Uh, tonight we have a dozen, and we have was like six, seven o'clock starts tonight, and one of the big ones. I don't know how you want to describe, uh, you know, viewing a game like the, the Buffalo Sabres right now. But the Sabres face off against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Devin Levi gets the start for the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk yesterday, but we talked plenty on the program about uh, the Don Granado situation, the scrubbing against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, I don't want to put too much on one game but wherever the Maple Leafs go, the traveling media roadshow goes with them and all eyeballs become on not just the Maple Leafs, but the opposite team. How big is tonight's game for the Buffalo Sabres?
0: Well, I I think it's big because you need a win, right? Um, Look, I I think what's going on in Buffalo is bigger than one game. Um, You know, that one the other night, you know, don't forget a year ago, they spanked Columbus, right, and that was one of the most embarrassing defeats yep. for the Blue Jackets. the Dave Thompson, four-goal game, and I have no doubt that for a lot of players in that Columbus uniform, that was sweet, sweet revenge, uh, Jeff. Um, you know, yeah. it's it's Christmas. You know, like uh, we're not supposed to be Grinches <laughs> at this time of year. Uh, uh, but All right. you know, I, I think it's impossible not to consider what's going on in Buffalo. You know, the one thing that um, uh, you know, the one thing that people have told me is that Kevin Adams and Don Granado they're lockstep. Like they think the same. Yep. They have a plan. You know, Kevin Adams, Sabres fans have heard it the whole time. He has a plan and he's not going to break from the plan. And he thinks that's the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, I, I, he, whether it's working or not, he believes in the plan. And I think Don Granato is very much with Adam's on it. The way they think is very similar. And um, so that's number one. Number two, and I heard this from somebody um it doesn't work for the Savers, but I think kind of knows them pretty well. And he said that the one thing he's keeping an eye on is Levi. And, and I said, what are you thinking about there? And he said he believes that Adams and Granato are big Levi guys. Like, they made him some promises when he came forward last year. They told him they, they wouldn't block his path that he would have a legitimate chance to be the number one guy and they weren't going to stand in the way. And they lived up to that promise, to their credit. They kept their word. And, you know, Levi's a talented guy and he's going to play in this league for a long time. And I think some people have wondered if it would be better for him to spend a bit more time in the American Hockey League. And, you know, someone just said to me, Jeff, if that ever changes and he does go down, that will be a shift hmm. in the way that the Sabres are thinking. Like, like, look, honestly, to me, again, it comes down to the Sabres have had a lot of change, a lot of change. And I think the teams always worry about that, how much change is too much, but there's there's no question it's, it's not going well right now. Like, they, they, to be there, they're a lot the same as Ottawa is. Really talented, but you ha- understand that there's a certain way that you have to be in this league to win. Like, I'm working the game tonight, so I was looking at some of the sport logic numbers, and they're one of the worst teams in the league at giving up odd man rushes, and they're also one of the worst teams in the league at getting the puck into the offensive zone. So that say, says to me they're having a lot of trouble at the other blue line, and it's getting them in a lot of different ways.
1: So uh, here's the thing. Like, we all heard the the fire Donnie chants at the end of that Columbus game, and I understand yeah. the frustration of fans, and I understand all the decisions that have been made this year uh, about certain coaches. And the one thing I keep coming back to at the Buffalo Sabres is at some point this has to stop. Like, I'm not saying that the Kevin Adams is considering firing Don Granato. Like I agree with you. I think these two guys, like their brains are symbiote on how this team should look and how this team should play. But, you know, we've seen, you know, when the losses start to pile up, who the, who the fans take it out on. And they did that in Ottawa with DJ Smith. Um, And it sounds like they're warming up to do the same thing with Don Granato. The problem is, you know, if you go back to 2017, it's been Bilesma, Housley, Kruger, now Granado, and you're going to add a fifth in six years or seven years? You want to talk about a lot of change? Like, it's behind the bench.
0: Well, first of all, a couple things to that. Number one, I can't blame the fans of Buffalo. They're, They're great fans, like some of the best fans in hockey. And they haven't had success in a long time. You can't you can't blame the fans on this one. And when it comes to the the fire chance, look as someone who uh, knows what it's like to be that guy on Twitter for a day, um, sometimes you just have to put the turtle shell on and take it all. So I think that's just life in the big mm-hmm. city sometimes. But you know, the other thing that's really wild to me, Jeff, is that you know, when Granado came in, like it, it really helped a lot of guys. Like, Skinner went from, like, people were arguing, is Skinner the worst contract in the NHL? And he became a four goal scorer. You know, it's Tate Thompson, you know, really became a, a heck of a player. Uh, Rasmus DeLean, like, yeah. people were talking about DeLean in the Norris Trophy uh, conversation this year. So, like, I look at it, like, I think they've done a really good job developing players i just what now you have to get to is it's, like i said it's the same thing as ottawa like they like he's made their players better i i don't think there's a big argument about that but the overall team concept is not there
1: edmonton oilers um we've talked plenty about not being able to afford long losing streaks at all um and they're in one right now and tonight they'll face off against the new jersey devils and it sounds like and we'll see what happens connor brown may be scratched tonight for the oilers uh your thoughts on what edmonton is going through now like you've made the point countless times i think it's the right one that no more bad games. Like, that's yep. it. This is like like just like Larry Robinson uh, saying to Patrick Waugh in the Montreal Canadiens sauna, no more bad goals. Yes. Um, as far as the Oilers go, no more bad games for each, No more bad games.
0: Uh, well, I agree with that. And, you know, as for Connor Brown, I hate to see it because I like Brown personally. But this is a business, and you've got to make tough decisions. So... Um, I understand why it could potentially happen, uh, even though I, I hate to see it for the player and the person. Um, you know, the, the thing about Edmonton here is, like, first of all, I'll, I'll, even though I'll have most of my attention on Toronto Buffalo tonight, I'll be watching this one. It's Hughes-McDavid, and um, yeah. at times, neither one of those teams defends too well. And we know that hockey is better when nobody plays defense, so it, should, it could be a really entertaining game. Um, <laughs> yes. So I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, the other thing, but the thing is, like both of these teams, Jeff, in a lot of ways, are out of runway. Um, you know, we've, we've been talking about uh, the Islanders. You know, they've made their surge. You've got the Flyers, uh, who've shown that they've got some staying power this season. Like New Jersey's another team hmm. that doesn't have a lot of runway. Like, they've got to get going. And so there's, there yeah. should be two desperate teams tonight. You know, the other thing that's happening behind the scenes in Edmonton is uh, Olivier Rodriguez started last night uh, for their American Hockey League yeah. team in Bakersfield, and they won, and he played very well. And I think he's going to get a little bit of a run here as the starting goalie there. I think, unfortunately, it looks like, um, you know, Jack Campbell's lost his grip on the job there, too. So I don't know where this right. is going here. So, like I said, I, they, I think they wanted to bring up Campbell. He had the one rough game. And then they, I think mm-hmm. they wanted to bring him up on the road, but he had some more rough games. And I just, I don't know where this is going to go right now. Like, I hate to see it because it's, you know, like everybody in Toronto knows Campbell. Like, he's a really, he really takes a lack of success hard, very hard. So you can only imagine how much this is challenging to him. But it's, um, you know, it hasn't gone as well as they hoped so far in, in Bakersfield.
1: Uh, we'll see what happens tonight. Edmonton is facing off against the New Jersey Devils, um, one of 12 on the board around the NHL. Also tonight, Friege, Uh the Vancouver Canucks and the Dallas Stars. Now, Vancouver is coming off of, like, I'll just be blunt, that game against Nashville, like Vancouver was clinical like from the opening face-off to the final buzzer like that was like it was like they they, like they've turned into this machine and when it's clicking it's so impressive to watch and you know nashville is going into that game on a four or five game winning streak looking real good and right from the opening draw vancouver just took them apart um quick thought on the vancouver canucks right now, and also dovetailing all of this, and I don't think this is lost on many people, um, you know, Andre Kuzmenko was was scratched in that game. Uh, your thoughts on the Kuzmenko situation, just a general thought of, you know, the Vancouver Canucks really hitting their stride now.
0: Well, the thing is, I remember when they came through Toronto, both Miller and Pedersen kind of said the same thing in the sense that... Um, they really feel that even when, when, they're ha- when they're not having good nights, they have better structure. So they have something to fall back on. Like you said, when it goes well, it goes really well. But I think one of the biggest differences mm-hmm. that they feel they have is that when it goes badly, it's going better because they have a structure to fall back on. And, you know, I'll say this too, like one of the better moves of the offseason, you know, the Canucks have made a lot of trades. They're the only team that you can't, Sit there and say, Oh, we we it's too hard to make trades because they go make trades. But one of the better moves of the offseason was the Smith. Like they've been able oh, to, yeah. to give Demko rests because the Smith has played really well and he's won games for them. And I think that's been a huge factor in their season. You know, when it comes to Kuzmenko, you know, the the, the thing that I think here is that look, teams know what's going on. The, this guy can score mm-hmm. he's not scoring right now and this is not a league where you can afford to have a guy making five and a half million on your fourth line and playing 11 12 minutes so what i think you've got here is vancouver's basically said everybody can see the situation what does anyone want to do about it and you know i i saw some clothes from the agent uh, dan milstein yesterday uh, basically saying that it's fine, we're working on it, and I'm, I'm curious to see if he's in Dallas tonight playing. Um, so, like, they're not throwing gasoline on the fire, but it's one of those things. It, it's like, you know, in some ways it's like Tyson Berry. Like, I don't think that Kuzmenko's asked for a trade or anything or received permission to talk to teams like Berry did, but it's kind of one of those situations where everybody knows what's going on out there. You want to do something about it, you know my phone number.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, the, the last time we talked about Kuzmenko, um, you had mentioned, like, you know, uh, I think a lot of people wonder about the Washington Capitals. And yes. could there be a fit there if ultimately Vancouver decides? And you made the point that, and I think it's the right one, that I don't think that, you know, the Vancouver Canucks bluntly want to, you know, because this is going to have to be a money in, money out deal. Um, yeah. Want to take Anthony Mantha and the contract that comes along with them. But I will tell you one thing, who I there's one team that I wonder about. And mm-hmm. we saw them hook up on a major deal last year, and that's the Bohorvat Horvat deal. Considering yeah. that there's still a, sort of a revolving door on that top line, and I don't know that Anders Lee is going to be full-time that guy on that top line with Horvat and Barzell. And I know nothing comes out of the Islanders, I know, so there's no whispers or rumors. But I wonder about the Islanders. Do you? I do,
0: because I think they're still looking for another score. Uh, I think that's very legit. You know, the other thing too is I also take a look at, um, and you know, like the agent there, like he's got a couple of clients on that team, right? So like he's yeah. got everybody, everybody jokes that he's the assistant GM in Vancouver. He's also got some guys <laughs> in New York. He's got, he's got Sorokin there and he's got Romanov there. So like that says to me that there's a good working relationship. Um, so I, I do mm-hmm. think that too, um, you know, I mean, again, it's 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 the Islanders are tight to the cap, so you'd have to figure out how to do it. But um, it it definitely makes sense. Like to me, Washington makes sense because they're looking for speed; they're trying to become a quicker team, and and he's definitely that. But yeah, the Islanders is a good guess too, Jeff.
1: I'm just throwing darts. I'm just throwing darts. Uh, uh, a quick thought do. on this one. Speaking of That's the Washington Capitals. That's what we do. We'll see what sticks. Uh, Real quick, I mentioned the Islanders and the Capitals earlier. Let's finish up with the Caps here. Um, Hendricks Lapierre, which the Washington Capitals, or who the Washington Capitals hope, is a huge part of their future, along with Connor McMichael. I think McMichael's been really good this year. Hendricks Lapierre with a goal and an assist last night. Ovechkin with an assist on the overtime winner. Dylan Strome with his 13th of the season. But again... It's another game. Since we're on Ovi Watch two ways, one, chasing Gretzky, and two, chasing his next goal uh, is now goalless. Career record 14 games for OV.
0: Yeah, and, uh, well, first of all, I also wanted to mention Marosh Dushenko because a couple of years ago, don't forget, Congrats. he was a yes. yeah, very highly regarded prospect. Um, Hodgkins uh, had to deal with that. Obviously is doing very well, played well in Hershey, now in the NHL. Um, So he's, like, I I thought that was a really nice moment for him last night. Very happy for him, considering everything he's been through. Like, the Ovi thing, Jeff, it's like, uh, again, I I watched it last night. And, um, like, I don't want to declare father time the winner 30 games into a season. I, I think that's kind of crazy but we all know father time is undefeated. And when he taps you on the shoulder and says, it's time, it's really time. So, like, I think we're all kind of wondering if that's what's happened here. Again, though, the thing that I really noticed, Jeff, is that, you know, Ovechkin was always the most noticeable guy on the ice. Even if he had a night where he played, you know, like even that time when Dale Hunter was coaching and he wasn't playing a lot, like when he was out there, he Mm -hmm. was doing stuff. Even if he had no goals and no assists – there was something, and that's the thing that stands out for me the most, is that you just don't notice him
1: as much. Yeah. You know who you notice a lot there right now? Dylan Strom.
0: Yeah, Every he's time a Dylan
1: Strom's he's having a, he's having a great year uh, for the Capitals. Okay, on that, uh, we'll, we'll let you go. Look forward to your latest 32 thoughts at sportsnet.ca, and uh, we'll do a podcast later on today that will come out tomorrow morning. Thanks as always, Fridge.
0: So I gotta tell you, I'm doing this new at my gym now. I'm doing this new like uh, barbell routine oh, because yeah. I've got to, Okay. If I if I show up to the podcast today in like traction, you'll understand why this could be a disaster.
1: <laughs> why is Elliot in a neck brace? Okay, yeah. well, uh, good luck. Uh, protect, protect you, yourself, sir. Elliot. Just remember, you're you're not 27 years old anymore. No, that it's is, just, that Be is careful true. out there. It's, it's that dangerous. Is true. <laughs>